Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Robotics. I'm your host, Nikki Rousseau, and it's my absolute pleasure to introduce you to our robotics industry and people supporting it. Today, my talk is with Georgina North. Georgina is the Head of Technology and Innovation at Lang-O'Rourke. Lang-O'Rourke is a major sponsor of Robotics Australia Group and has supported us for many years, including the 2022 Robotics Roadmap for Australia. We are, of course, extremely grateful for this support. Gina, welcome and thank you very much for joining me today. Great to be here. Um, I know you've got a super hectic schedule and we've been trying to get this uh, chat in so I'm especially grateful for your time today. Tell us a little bit about yourself, um, your current role and a bit about your career to date. Uh, sure, so I'm a by training, um, worked in manufacturing oil and gas and jumped over into construction about seven or eight years ago uh, through, through a 3D printing project and have been in construction tech ever since. My current role is Head of Technology Innovation for Lang O'Rourke. Um, Lang O'Rourke are a big global engineering and construction firm. In Australia, we focus on rail uh, and roads mainly, uh, big infrastructure projects uh, and a bit of defence. And my team, Technology and Innovation, we are dedicated to accelerating readiness and adoption of tech. So that's um, a combination of in-house R&D, acceleration of technology, um, adoption of technology, and really bringing stuff from the outside uh, in, into the core business. It's such a, um, if you think about construction companies, um, traditional ones, you wouldn't think that technology even plays a part in it. But having said that, I've been to your absolutely fabulous offices in Sydney and I'd love a job with you. So anytime <laughs> you're looking for anyone, tap on my shoulder. Why do you particularly like working for them? Oh, there are so many reasons. Um, look, in my team and in innovation specifically, I get to work on those grand challenges, how to make construction sites safer. Um, what is the future of construction? How do we um, lift productivity with technology? How do we mitigate climate change? You know, they're really big, meaty problems. Um, you know, I think innovation as a discipline is quite creative and fun and you know it's a very different energy because it is you know it's it's not a defined and repeatable process um, so you definitely don't get bored and Langerook generally um, look it's a, it's a great company for family values really we've articulated our purpose recently and it's to push the boundaries of what's possible in service of humanity and we've always had that purpose but it's been really nice to articulate it and it really shows that um, we are a future focused organization and, and they're to to serve, um, you know, the sustainability. The We've also got a very strong female leadership team and I love that because it's great to see um, our MD, our executive team and all across leadership right down to graduates and interns, um, really strong female. That's fantastic. So robotics, which of course we're both very interested in, as in all areas of technology, is it's always been a moving goal. Um, in construction, this seems to be especially true. Can you tell me a little bit about how you experience this reality? Yeah, sure. So we've been looking at robotics and automation for a few years, and it's rapidly accelerating in construction. Um, as you know, we've got the um, forefathers of mining and agriculture nailed the economics of automation for big, heavy plant. And I'm personally interested on how that stacks up in construction. You know, the, the dynamics and the economics are a bit different. You know, we don't um, 
we've got shorter time frames we've got more dynamic operations more bespoke operations smaller plant um, than those bigger heavier industries and so um, I think robotics like um, autonomous vehicles of compactors and dozers and diggers are the future. And in the last 10 years where we're seeing companies and research organizations. So, we're, and I think in the last few years, we're seeing a big acceleration of automation of, of yellow plant, uh, as we like to call it. So, but it's not just about the big stuff. I think robotics and automation also be uh, the small stuff. Drones are everywhere now, but what does that look like to have them on the ground doing the same thing? So those uncrewed ground vehicles, really the spot dogs of the world are coming into their fold because we're not used to collecting that much data yet. And so really what we need to get right first is to collect the data um, the behavioural change of collecting that data, using that data, and then automating the collection of that through um, robots is going to be great. And then, of course, you've got your computer vision, your AI, which is where it all started um, in robotics for Lang O'Rourke through the spin out, development and spin out of our company. What, in your view, are some of the best opportunities and the biggest barriers for robotics in construction today? Always easy to start with the barriers. Um, <laughs> it's a, it's, Construction's a pretty low margin sector. So I, I mentioned, you know, we've, we've got tighter timeframes than, you know, we've got less cash really than mining and, and agriculture. So really it's the capital to invest in long-term technology as a single organization is really limited. Um, that does open a big opportunity for collaboration across the industry and it's ripe for uh, venture capital to come in and really disrupt through startups and, and technology investments. The applications for productivity and safety are where it will stack up. I have the most impact where it will really move the needle. What needs to be true there is a degree of repeatability and the industry is already moving there through the likes of um, design for manufacture and assembly, your modular, you know, that is that that standardization and repeatability is is where robotics um, has its biggest opportunity. And I guess more broadly, we're really interested in any sort of technology that can help us change the way we build. So um, the very future focused part of me is still into the human augmentation, where, where pr human augmentation and cobotics, because we know that um, we're not. We're never going to take the humans out of the loop in construction. It's just so critical to have them there. So um, it opens up a big opportunity for a, a different type of robotics. Definitely. How can uh, the robotic supply chain and construction companies capitalize on these opportunities? Yeah, good question. Uh, look, the first one that that springs to mind is the grants. Um, you know, we are going through a bit of a tough time with grants at the moment, but. Um, I think the opportunity for co-funding from government is great. I think venture capital, as I mentioned, is going to be a really big way uh, to scale uh, some of these technologies. Of course, Robotics Australia Group is a great networking organisation. You know, we've met so many like-minded roboticists and non-roboticists and enthusiasts that can really connect. But really, I think, you know, you want to get together to talk about not the technology itself, not the robots themselves, but rather the challenges that need solving or the opportunities that um, can yield value. And that degree, that requires a degree of collaboration that we don't necessarily have yet in the construction industry. So leveraging 
um, organizations like the ACA or the Australian Constructors Association and other elements that kind of sit across industry that can look after multiple companies' interests, I think that's going to be um, a way to get in there. I think the technology is not what's holding us back. It's the it's the the standards, it's the principles of operation, it's the certainty that functional safety is covered. And it's those things that we need to band together on to really solve how we want technology in practice. And one and I think we can do that together. I think you make very valid points around collaboration and risk averseness about Australians because we're highly innovative, but on the flip side of it, highly risk averse. I, I don't actually know how to mitigate that and how, how to speed things up, but I can tell you COVID certainly when I was doing my my um, company, Exaptic and Telepresent Robotics, when I had issues with hospitals in terms of, oh, we couldn't have these robots there for privacy, nothing like a quick pandemic to just get all of those issues out the window. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, once uh, our industry, you know, been talking a lot about changes to the way that we go to work and really it's got to be a top-down I guess mandate imperative from our clients to say we would like you to bring automation to this project and that will force the hand of contractors in our supply chain to really start thinking about you know oh oh, how are we going to do this and that's going to be a really exciting time. Yeah. Let's talk advocacy. Langer Raw provided a very thorough submission to the federal government as part of their consultation on the national robotic strategy. Can you tell us what you proposed? Yeah. So firstly, mm-hmm. we proposed that construction needs its own sector, priority sector in the national robotic strategy, because there's so much going on. It is unique. It is a unique industry, though the technology stacks obviously can sit across across industries. But there were some other things that were included in there. One was around the baseline of productivity. So in order to work out what your value, net value creation is, you need to know where you're starting industry. We don't track absolute productivity in ways that we should. We just don't have that data. There's the opportunity around including specific KRAs, so the incentives and KPIs in construction contracts that incentivize innovation and testing and trialing robotics, either on a small or a large scale. Um, And that really has the impact of being able to de-risk the commercialization or what I like to call the translational research of robotics. You know, yes, the technology has been developed through R&D, but the learnings and the research of how you use it in practice on a real project needs a sandbox, needs a, a testing ground. And what better than to take a corner of a construction project, you know, a little bit ahead of schedule in order to, to look at that. We just getting real out there though for Australia. I'd really like to see something competitive like uh, the equivalent to the DARPA challenge in, in the US for autonomous or driverless vehicles. I'd love to see something like that in Australia. We've got the space. So, you know, find a test track, use what the one in WA, get Red Bull to sponsor it and just have an autonomous construction equipment bake off. Um, uh, so that was kind of one of the one of the fun ones that we were able to recommend. And if not, why not? If we can get a sponsor to test our capabilities and showcase to the rest of the world, uh, what a fa- fantastic opportunity! Yeah, yeah, it'd be it'd be fun. 
I, I can see the innovative side of you just relishing this challenge and going, okay, let's worry. Let's get on to this and never mind all the other serious work we've got. Yeah, let's do a reality TV show yeah. about it while we're yeah. at it. Yeah, and you've got a new career. Never mind the chemical engineering. <laughs> Gina is the new host. So you advocate for women in construction. What are some of the initiatives that are helping to promote and encourage women into the industry that you know of and that potentially Langa Rolko involved? Oh, yeah. You know what? There's heaps. We have got a long-standing relationship with NARWIC, so the National Association for Women in Construction. They put on, a, you know, a great, great events across the year from awards to career development through to networking. And so we're very heavily involved in NARWIC. One that I was really lucky a part of recently was something called the Cultivate Program, which um, is our a uh, creation from Professor Natalie Galea. She's done a lot of work with Australian constructions around her, her PhD was noticing that whilst we're in the number of women that come into construction, we're losing them um, out of the workforce kind of around that 20 to 30 40 age bracket and they just don't come back. And so the solution there um, through the, the research that Natalie did was not just mentorship, but sponsorship. And so um, this idea of active sponsorship and advocacy for women is how you lift them up through the industry. And so at Langer Rock, we ran the Cultivate program, which, you know, matches you with a sponsor, has a you know fancy digital program for engagement and sponsorship. Congratulations. Is there any reason that the women, I mean, first and I could just think it's because women have kids and, mm. you know, we're raising children and generally speaking, parents still like if they're able to have a caregiver at home. Yeah. And well, the, so I, I guess it's partly that you know, also you know, coming back to quite a fast paced, high pressure, long hours job on site is, is less attractive, but the, the single reason is the, is the lack of sponsorship. The one that yeah. was common across all women from all backgrounds, whether they had kids or didn't was that they didn't have that active sponsorship early enough in their career to really give them the career acceleration and progression that they're expecting construction whereas you know from the interviews that natalie did a lot of the and a lot of the men would would say something like i was really lucky to have this person in my corner who gave me this job or i was i had a mentor who put me up for this role right so those that active acceleration is is what keeps i suppose this could be applied to all industries and you know i've spoken to many women on this topic is that you really need to have someone um, that when you're out of the room will speak up for you and you actually need to cultivate these relationships. They don't just fall into your lap. You actually need to go out there and do some of the work yourself. And this is typically something that um, women don't really like doing because, you know, we're seen as forward and pushy. That's not really, you know, we're trying to advocate for ourselves and get our careers, but it's not something that women are really comfortable with doing. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they've really put a spotlight on supporting that, you know, and, you know, other diversity um, and inclusive, you know, our DNI council is amazing and it's so broad, the number. Um, I'm really proud of, of that at Langer Rook as well. Oh, that's fantastic. So you also obviously support opportunities and encourage women to a career in STEM. Um, why is this important to you? Oh, I, I was really lucky. I had, my dad was an engineer and, you know, I've, I followed in his footsteps quite 
fortuitously or blindly to start with and it's been so rewarding it's important to me because supporting women in stem is important to me because i've had like personally i've had such a rewarding career from it already and there's still so much to do it is broad it gives you optionality um it, it's one of those ones where with a background in stem you can do anything, including pivoting back into the creative and incented opportunities. I think naturally women need need both, right? Any human needs both to be well-rounded and that's where the creative problem solving can come in. And we're just not getting enough women in STEM out of schools. Although we have seen a huge uplift, we run a STEM plus program with a bunch of local schools um, across Australia. And we're now actually seeing graduates that have finished school, finished university, coming to work for Lang O'Rourke. So it's also a, a big talent att attraction and recruitment piece for, for Lang O'Rourke too. Congratulations. I think that's a fabulous story. And, you know, to the point of girls, I completely agree with you. You can go into STEM. If you've got STEM subjects, easy to go into your STEM career. And if you decide this is not for you, you can pivot into humanities, but it's not so easy to on the flip side. And um, I think it's, I've read a paper on this. Girls actually make a choice far earlier in life than we actually think they do. It starts as early as nine and 10 when the cohorts start going into different directions. And I think the increase in STEM has been, of course, concerted number of people focusing on this, going to schools, women such as yourself speaking um, as examples of what you can have as a career in STEM and, you know, where it can take you. Uh, my children are adults, but if I had if I had daughters and I was advising them, I would say to them, keep your options open, make sure you've got maths until year 12. It's not easy for everyone, but you don't have to ace it, just pass it so that you've got it as a, as a you know, subject that you can get into university and your options are open. Yeah. And I think, you know, what the, the way of thinking you get taught as an engineer, you know, that logic is that logic and critical thinking is not something that really comes naturally. There are frameworks for it. You learn how to do it over time and it's just applicable, you know, in every area of life. So yeah, I would highly recommend if that's an option. I think I watched a movie once and the guy was an engineer. It's a, I don't know, some famous movie. I can't remember the actor and he was going, well, he's an engineer. So um, he's actually worth 20 people that aren't engineers. And I actually stopped and I thought, you're quite right. If I want anyone on my team, I want an engineer. <laughs> uh, yes. And well, look, chem chemical instruction are a bit of a bit of a misnomer right you know there aren't that many I mean unless you're doing kind of water treatment plants or heat transfer and fluid dynamic construction is is materials it's structural engineering it's it's civil engineering mechanical at a stretch so it's a very different industry but the the methodology and the the critical thinking is the same same applicative. Now, talking about uh, you being mentors for kids coming to work at Lang O'Rourke do you have a mentor yeah, I have a few. My uh, dad was a credible mentor before he passed away. Um, my old boss, Professor Andrew Harris, has been a long-term mentor and he's been there for some really crucible moments in my career, including getting me into Lang O'Rourke and into construction. 
And I've also been able to kind of complement the mentoring with coaching. So that executive level coaching that is everything from purpose to difficult conversations to, um, you know, peak performance at work. And in recent years, my partner is also just been an awesome coach as well around professional topics as well as general life. You know, you touch on an interesting topic, this coaching, um, and I think uh, for a lot of women out there, they don't actually realize that women in executive positions and senior positions um, have this privilege of having coaches and they, they get coached on PR and all sorts of things. I have a friend who's very high up in VHB and I'm just absolutely amazed at the resources available to her. And I go, well, no wonder you are just word perfect. If I had all these coaches, just think where I could be. <laughs> probably still where I am but you know I just look at it and I go women don't they don't really think about what's available and whether you invest in yourself which of course speak for myself here then I go oh no I, I couldn't possibly pay that sort of money for this coaching you know but at some point if you're serious about your career it is so worth it to go I'm investing money in myself I'm going to get coaching where I need it or the mentorship where I need it because who knows where this can take me Mm, yeah, definitely. And look, it is a, a, to have provide some of those resources. I think you're right, it can get really expensive. There are some low cost ways to do it. I actually know have some friends that are using ChatGPT as a coach, so you can prompt it into someone who can, uh, you know, talk you through, you know, difficult conversations or approaches to challenges that come up at work. But there's so many books out there as well that are written by inspiring women and men that can, yeah, really help you level up. I've also found that in my team, we're kind of buddying people up. So, you know, making sure that you've got someone in the team that can talk to about professional challenges at work. Sometimes you've got to take a step out of, you know, where you are and, and just reflect on how things are going. And yeah, we encourage that across teams. That's a fantastic resource or service, if you want to call that, that you afford your your people. I think in a safe, non-threatening place where people can give you feedback, that they just go, look, with regards to that presentation, fantastic. You may, may need to look at X, Y, and Z. I'm always waiting for feedback, and I don't know whether I'm just South African and no one wants to say anything to me, or I go, <laughs> well, it was that excellent. I don't think it was. But, you know, I think it's important to get feedback from your peers. Yeah, definitely. Do you have any advice for women thinking of a career in construction? Other than joining Lego Rock, <laughs> um, look, I think, I think there's such a be there for women and that you can be confident that you can be yourself. I've seen such a big shift in leadership to, in all industries towards empathetic leadership. That's even showing up in construction and that you don't have to act like a man to succeed in construction. And that is, you know, so evident from our managing director, Rebecca Hanley, who is such an empathetic leader. You know, our executive, executive board is half women and just all wonderful people. And uh, so, yeah, just I, I would I would suggest just to go for it. Any industry, just to go for it because you will be adequate. Thanks, Gina. I'm mindful of your time. Number one, where can our audience reach you and any closing thoughts you'd like to leave them with? Well, definitely find me on LinkedIn. Happy to have a chat always. And closing comments. Look, we've, we've spoken a lot about the importance of STEM and talking about construction as an industry and robotics. And I think my, my main takeaway 
based on my journey is that you don't need to be a roboticist to get involved with robotics. The industry is crying out for creative problem solvers um, who can find the use cases, create the, you know, the commercial value and really deliver project manage these robotics projects. And so you don't need to have invented or built a robot to be able to do that. So thrive, thriving opportunity in the direction that, I, that I'm heading. Fantastic advice. Gina, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been great speaking with you. Yeah, thanks so much. To our audience out there, thank you so much for your time. I hope you've enjoyed our chat and I look forward to your company next time. Mm -hmm.